Welcome to the Stony Brook Crossroads Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doyle DeGraw. For more information about this podcast, our community, and other resources, please visit CrossroadsChurchSB.com. As we're um, receiving the offering, I want to introduce our time that we traditionally practice at this time of the year. Um, I still have not gotten used to the fact that thanks, we didn't have a weekend in between Thanksgiving and the beginning of Advent. I don't know if anybody, anybody else feeling that squeeze. So it's like, oh, it's time to put up the tree and get the tree out of the attic and all that stuff, you know. So uh, we are going to get the tree out of the attic here, by the way, afterwards this morning. So if kids want to help decorate the tree here in the sanctuary, that'd be great. But uh, as part of lighting our Advent candle each, each week over the next four weeks, we're going to do it as part of the presentation of the Word and looking at the Word together. And so uh, after we light the candle after we've done a reading together, then we'll pray over the kids and release them back to their time. But we want them to, to be involved in the practice of that tradition. So they're building that into their, their lives as well. And so um, we're going to read together Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, because the theme for today is the theme of hope. So I'd like you to stand again, if you would. And we'll make an attempt here to read together as closely as we can. So ready? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. So we want to invite the kids to come. Kathy and Stephanie can come as well. So the theme today, you guys, is hope. Do you know what the other themes of Advent are? Want to guess? No. That's probably a risky thing to ask them, right? So the theme for next week is peace. And then the week after that is love. And then the final week for our Christmas service will be joy. So today we study hope and we think about hope that we have. Do you guys have a lot of things you're hoping for for Christmas? Well, you should start thinking about it. Uh, you, probably, you probably have a long list of things. So anyway, we want to light the first candle. Got it. And let's extend, let's extend our hands towards the kids as, as a way of blessing. And let's pray over them. Lord, we pray that you would put hope in the hearts of each of our kids, that they would find hope in you, Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. And we pray, as they, we pray them as, as 
young boys and young girls, we pray that you would continue to grow, into, grow them into men of God and women, women of God. And bless Kathy and Stephanie as they teach them today. We ask in your name. Amen. <laughs> All right, you guys can go. Please be seated, everybody. There's a familiar proverb that uh, I'll just have you take a look at here for a minute. You don't need to turn there or anything. Just look at the screen. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I'd like you to imagine for just a minute, we'll start from the negative and work our way towards the positive. Just imagine anything in your life that has created a sense of hopelessness. A time in your life where you just thought, man, this is, this is the worst thing I've ever experienced and I have no way of knowing if this is going to turn around or not. And just when you think that you've experienced those kinds of things where you experience a level of hopelessness, then doesn't it seem like oftentimes uh, something else comes along that knocks you down and you realize, wow, what I went through a few months ago, a couple years ago, that was nothing compared to what I'm going through now. And isn't it true that as we go through life, that in some ways, as you grow older, there's this mixture that comes that you're able to see the bigger picture and you know that there is uh, hope ahead. But I heard someone say the, the other day that the, the thing about growing older is you think a lot about being younger. Because there's more behind you than there is ahead of you. And, but at the same time, one of the values of growing older is you run into situations that back in your 20s made you hopeless. And now in your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and so on, I'll stop there, you realize everything's going to turn out all right. And one of the values that we have, or one of the privileges we have as believers, is the reality that mixed with just life's experiences, we also know because of God's Word and His Word implanted in our hearts that everything literally is going to be all right even though in, in front of us it doesn't look like it. And so instead of experiencing heart sickness that comes from hope that's deferred, we get closer and closer to the reality that all that we've been hoping for is getting closer and closer into our life. And so there's a longing that we have in our heart that's fulfilled. And the season of Advent is about longing. It's about longing for something that the prophets of old have been longing for for a long time. And I think that's why there was so much celebration around the manger because there was celebration around the fact that there's hope for our future. Let me read you some familiar statements, familiar sayings about hope. How many of you have said this at one time or another? I hope we're going to make it. Anybody here? Just about three of you. Okay. The rest of you made it. Um, if it were not for hope, my heart would break. Someone said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Someone else said, hope is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. 
Here's another quote. Hope is medicine for a soul that's sick and tired. Hope is medicine for a soul that's sick and tired. Anybody ever feel sick and tired? We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. And then there's this story about a man approaching a Little League baseball game. I imagine it could have been Andrew's t-ball team this last summer. He approached the Little League baseball game one afternoon and he asked the boy in the dugout what the score was. And the boy responded, 18 to nothing. We're behind. And the spectator, the man says, boy, I bet you're discouraged. He says, why should I be discouraged, replied the little boy. We haven't even gotten to bat yet. <laughs> hope springs eternal, like they say, you know. And um, as we celebrate hope and the reminder of what hope brings to us, we're reminded of the fact that Jesus comes to a battered world with a message of hope to give us hope. It gives us purpose. It gives us strength. It gives us the ability to be a generous people even when sometimes people around us are stingy and holding on to things, trying to control their world. And it allows us to be kind of the freest people on the planet because we know how the story turns out. And Jesus gives us the ability to now see the Father. As He comes to earth, He's the one that opens up the window for all of us to see the Father. He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. And the Father is our source of hope. And it's Jesus in us. Jesus in us, the hope of glory that gives us the ability to face life with hope instead of discouragement. So I want you to look at a couple of passages with me. Another passage in Romans chapter 8, Paul liked the message of hope. I think it's what gave him the hope to continue on. And so the first one is in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Several verses that go to verse 25. And just pay attention and catch the words that mention hope. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us or to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait, we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. In this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who, who, who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Hope is what increases our patience and increases our endurance in the midst of situations. Now let me ask you a question. And I'd like you to respond by just kind of acknowledging it with a nod or raising your hand. How many of you have something in your life right now that's requiring an extreme level of patience? And the answer could not come soon enough. 
Hope is the antidote to those situations. It's Jesus Christ, the hope of glory in us, that allows us to go into those situations where we are just so tired of waiting that we bring Him into the picture and we say, Lord, give us the strength. Give us the ability to suffer well in the midst of this situation so we can press through. Hope increases our patience and endurance because it's hope for what we do not see and we wait with patience. In verse 19, Paul says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And he uses this great word for uh, eager longing, for eager expectation. It describes the, atti- the attitude of a man or the, sta- the state of a man that's looking over the horizon, kind of like the father in the story of the prodigal son that keeps looking out over the fields. And he's watching the sunset and hoping one day he'll see his son. And that's the picture that Paul is conveying to all of us is that with whatever situation you and I are facing, with the need for deeper patience and the need for deeper ability to press through the suffering, it's that ability to to look out over the horizon and, and know that one day I'm going to see what I'm hoping for. It's that eager expectation. And so I encourage all of us this morning with whatever it is that we're longing for, Whatever it is we're pressing into this season as we enter into the Christmas season, the encouragement for all of us is, as Paul says in another place, not to become weary in doing goodwill or doing well in doing good things to others and doing, and doing good things in terms of our worship. The Lord wants us to be able to press through. And Paul, to Paul, life wasn't this weary, defeated waiting Instead, it was a life that was throbbing with with vivid expectation. In his commentary on this passage, William Barclay says, the Christian does not only see the world, he looks beyond the world to God. The Christian does not only see the consequence of man's sin, he sees the power of God's mercy in God's love. And therefore, the keynote of the Christian life waits with hope, not for death, but for life. How many of you like hanging around negative people? Exactly. I mean, how many of you like to hang around people that sound hopeless all the time? How about how many of you like to hang around people that are hopeful even in desperate situations? All of us are are grateful for those people that come around us like that. So there are some things that we can be reminded of. And if we can go back to the Romans 5 passage that we read as we introduced Advent, the first thing I want to remind us of this morning is what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. Now I have a question. Some of you look really warm and comfortable. And I'm telling you, I wish I didn't wear this warm sweater this morning. Is it warm in here? Oh, okay. I'll press through. You know, actually, it's the very first time I've looked out and I haven't seen everybody in coats. So, anyways. All right. Well, somebody has their coat on, so. I won't worry about it. I'm going to press through. All right. 
Okay, well then don't look like you're sleeping. Just make sure you're, everybody there? Hope turns disappointment into purpose. Paul says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me read what the Passion Translation says in verse 5. This hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Hope is not a disappointing fantasy. So I want you to think this morning about any disappointment that you're dealing with. It's interesting because the kids' lesson this morning, it's the first part of the Joseph story. And Kathy was researching some stuff, and uh, I, don't, I, I know your kids have probably watched the Veggie Tale, so they get to see it again. But we found the Veggie Tale where, uh, about Joseph. And it's all conveyed in a story where they're all cowboys. And Joseph gets this great cowboy vest. And then he gets thrown into a pit. And, he gets, he, he, and his brothers sell him to desperados. They sell him to desperados. And so in the midst of disappointment, being taken away from his home and taken away from his family, hope turns disappointment into purpose. Because we know that the story of Joseph doesn't end with him in the pit. But it ends with him serving purpose and serving, actually serving Potiphar and serving the Pharaoh in such a way that everything is transformed into his life and his family experiences renewal and reunion. So I want to encourage us this morning as we enter into this season that we are into a... Let's enter into the season with, with a desire for purpose and also an expectation that God will give us purpose in situations. What is today? December the 1st? So today, December the 1st, our son Nathan is experiencing his 82nd day of sobriety. 82nd day of sobriety. Two days ago, I sent him a text and I said, happy number 80. And immediately, like within seconds, I received a response, thanks. That gives us hope for the future in the midst of years of disappointment. And so, hope turns disappointment into purpose. Now, for those of you that are very OCD and are really uptight because last week we ended Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, and you're looking in your Bibles and you're like, there's 11 more verses and we didn't finish Philippians. Well, guess what? We're going to finish Philippians right now. And I'm going to do it pretty quickly. So if we can look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. And I want you to follow along as I read these verses. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. And I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, 
No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I mention this not because I'm requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. I've received full payment and received more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here are some more signs of hope that come from the DNA of the Apostle Paul who lives and breathes hope, who says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the hope of glory that brings all of those elements into our life. Verse 13, probably one of the most familiar verses for all of us in the Bible. You probably all have quoted it at one time or another. Let's say it together. Verse 13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Hope not only gives us perspective and gives us purpose, but hope increases our strength. Hope increases our strength because what we're talking about is not just some kind of empty hope. We're talking about a supernatural hope. And Paul doesn't just say, I hope I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His hope is turned into ability. It's a statement of fact. It's a declaration that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I have received supernatural hope into my life. And that's the question for all of us. How well are we doing accessing and grabbing a hold of that supernatural hope? It's interesting, the word that Paul uses for strengthen is the word endunamas. You remember what the word dunamas stands for? Dynamite. It's the word that's used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when, Paul's, when, when Jesus tells the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit and the endowment of power that will fall upon you. You will receive power to become witnesses. You will receive dynamite. You will receive dunamas. So Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who endunamases me, who puts strength in me, so that I can hope against hope, even in situations that seem the most desperate. And you and I both know, all of you, all of us know together, that we've all experienced, some of you have experienced some amazing situations, very, very difficult situations. And you've made it through those, through the strength and the power of God. Because hope gives us an increase, an increasing measure of His strength. Not hope I can do all things, but the fact that I can do all things because of Him, him who strengthens me. Hope also, if you look at verse 17, I mention this not because I'm requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. It's interesting that the Philippians were one of the most giving and caring churches that Paul talked about. And remember, Paul's writing these words while he's in jail. And he is celebrating and rejoicing in the fact that hope not only increases his strength, 
but he sees in the Philippian church and the Philippian believers that hope releases in us a spirit of generosity. The description that Paul gives us about the fruit of your generosity is like a a picture of a tree overloaded with fruit with more than enough for everyone. A hopeful people are a generous people. People that are hopeless are stingy. People that are filled with hope say, you need something? Here, let me give you this. Do you need any more? Because it's oozing out of us to give it away. And so that's the question for us as well this morning. As we look at things in our life, how much are we trying to grab a hold of and just, this is, you know, like a little two-year-old, this is mine. Two-year-olds are not very hopeful. All they want to do is control what's theirs. But Christ doesn't want us to be immature like two-year-olds. He He wants us to be mature and generous in our heart. So that when we see a need, we're like the first of the line saying, here, I'd like to fill that need. Hopeful people are not afraid to give things away. Why? Because they know that God will replace over and over again what they've given away. Anybody here ever experienced that? We're, in, we're improving. About five of you have experienced that. Let me try that again. Any of you have experienced giving things away and God replacing it more than you expected? That's what hope does. And the last thing that hope does is hope focuses our attention on the riches provided in Christ. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Now this is not exactly correct, but Jesus said, I will give you life and that more abundantly. And so I don't know if he's the tree of life, but he certainly represents the tree of life. He brings eternal life. He says, this is what I brought. He says to the Father in his prayer in John 17, I brought them eternal life. I've I've given them the ability to know you and to have eternal life. And so hope focuses our attention on the tree of life, on the riches provided in Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Can we read that one together? And my God will supply every need. Let's read it together. Oh, not up there? Ready? And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let's do it one more time and then we're going to do it from memory. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I can't even do it right. Forget it. We're not going to do it from memory. <laughs> the phrase according to his riches in glory actually means he causes what we have to grow in abundance, to abound. It's, we become like Abraham who looks at his son Isaac and because of the promises of God, he says out of that young boy is going to come many nations. It's the ability to see more than what we see in front of us because we're seeing from an eternal perspective and we're seeing from riches that are deeper than our pockets and deeper than our purses and deeper than what's in our wallet. We're seeing beyond what we can see in front of us in the natural. 
And so to, to others, what may look like foolishness, to us, it's God's love, as Paul says in Romans 5, that continues to cascade over us to reassure us that all will be well. That everything will turn out all right. There's a phrase, and this is a trivia question. Uh, you get the first bagel of the day if you get it right. What Christmas carol does this famous phrase come from? A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. VJ gets the first bagel. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Comes from Old Holy Night. For yonder breaks a new glorious morn. When our hope is in Jesus, things change. With God, difficult situations are no longer impossible. Mountains are no longer immovable. And we don't, have, we don't just have to wish things will be true. We know that everything will turn out right. It's not just hope. I know for sure. I'm not just hoping. I know for sure. The psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in His Word, I put my hope. And then finally, I'd like you to see this passage. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul's writing to his son, his spiritual son, Timothy. And he's talking about his suffering and his need to press through the suffering and, and gather up hope. And he says, this is which, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I've believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard until that day everything that has been entrusted to me. I want to encourage you to do something right now and few minutes we're going to be receiving communion but I want you to take your hands out in front of you like this we often do this and we're going to ask the Lord right now to take whatever is in your hands that represents situations your calling decisions that you have to make physical illness that you're facing, anything that has to do with life. And in the midst of all of that, we're going to pray that the Lord would guard everything. That He would guard our families. That He would guard our marriages. That He would guard our church. That He would guard our country. That He would guard our friends that are close to us. And so, Father, we pray right now that you would give us increased measures of hope. Give us increased ability to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I pray that you would put more strength in each of us this morning. And Lord, in, in a way, I pray as we hold our hands out in front of us that you would actually put a guard around our lives so that we know that everything is not just hoping for something to happen, but knowing that our hope is well-placed and everything will be all right. We ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together, everyone.
I'd like us to do something this morning before we receive communion. And the reason I had you stand is I want to do this differently. I feel like it's important not to just hear the word, but I think it's really critical for us to pray that the word connects. And uh, I, I don't want any of us to go through the Christmas season. Let me ask you again before we do this. How many of you, how many of you this morning are, are, are facing a situation that on the surface has elements of being hopeless and difficult? And unless God comes through, it's not going to work out. All right. So here's what I'd like you to do for just a couple of minutes. I'd like you to, to just get with a, a few other people, two or three or four, and I could just, uh, I don't, don't take the time to ask what it is, but just pray that God would take hopeless situations and bring his hope into the midst of them. All right? And then I'll, I'll have you stop in just a couple of minutes. So go ahead and pray with each other.